You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I sit down and interview Veronica Sofer. Now, Veronica is the Chief Communications Officer for Fort Bend ISD. Veronica and I have a wonderful conversation about the art of communication. In fact, we talk about what do leaders need to take into consideration when they're leading staff meetings and being in public at events? In addition to that, what do parents need to take into consideration when communicating with districts and understanding you know, the two-way communication? Also, what are we limited to when it comes to students showing videos and things that are happening on campuses prior to Veronica and her team getting out in front of it? Lots of great things to consideration, not just in the art of relationships, but specifically in the art of communication. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationships Center Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am delighted and honored to have Veronica Sofer on the show today. Veronica, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. So you're out of your time. Let's jump right into, we always talk about connections before content in any layer, in any form in their school session. So we do this in what we call the flip five format. So Veronica, I'm going to ask you five GTKY questions and you can flip five back at me, kind of get a chance to know each other before we dive into today's conversation. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Simple question. When you think of movies, what is a movie that you watch that just makes you laugh? Goonies. <laughs> My God, you just made me laugh. That is that is definitely, thinking of my childhood growing up, that is definitely a cool movie that makes me laugh. All right, question number two, I'm going to flip over to music. What is one of those bands or artists when you first heard them from like one of the first songs that you were like, oh my God, like you were hooked by them? What's one of those bands or musicians? I would say it had to be Madonna, hands down. Oh yeah, she, oh my God, you're nostalgia coming back here. Yes. I love it. Okay, question number three, what was your first car like what model or make was your first car it was a honda civic wagon and it was probably from like 1984 i mean it was a really old honda civic wagon okay and if we're still going nostalgia what was your do you remember like candy from when you were growing up what was your like one of your like the candies you can't get now but you remember any of the candy you used to eat when you were growing up yeah, my favorite was, so two, number one, when I was super young, the candy ring pops. Oh, yeah. So you can put it because we'd go to the, the swimming pool and you could get it from the concession stand. But then once E.T. came out, it was all about the Reese's Pieces. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And it's crazy how that movie kind of threw that into play, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then last question, what is a book that you have read that has just left a total impression on you? What book? Oh, I would say the four agreements. Oh, okay. Four agreements. Yeah, that has been really profound and really helpful for me on my track as a leader. So definitely, I highly encourage people to read that. All right. Well, there's some information. That was five. You got five for me? All right. Yeah. So I, I'm now intrigued about your movie because you you referenced it, brought back memories. So what's the movie that brings the most to you? Uh, Grease. Grease, I think, is just like, it is 
you know, it's it's just a movie that it's it's fun, it's laugh. I, I I think I know all the words to the songs. If not, I've made them up by now. Um, but thoroughly, Grease is one of those like just growing up movies that just makes me still feel good. I still think John yeah. Travolta looks just like that. I don't care if he lost right. his hair like me. I still see him as that way. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so tell me about your dream vacation spot. You know, there's places that I want to go. So those are only by pictures. But I will tell you, if you've never traveled, one place that I did travel that turned into an amazing spot was Eleuthera in the Bahamas. It's a, it's okay. across from Nassau. So it's not like casinos and it's a small little tiny island, a very thin island. It's where the Atlantic is on one side, the Caribbean's on the other side. So you have blue water clashing with teal water, no high rises, no hotels, like living with the locals, uh, driving on the wrong side of the road, you know, e eating lobster from the beach. And the beaches are just like these little tiny hidden gems. So Eleuthera Bahamas would be an amazing gemstone to head back to. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Tell me about your first job. Oh, first job. You know, I I worked at Subway, but my first really big like job I think of, my mom was a food stamp caseworker. And so I would get to work with her in the summer. And that was where I raised enough money to buy my first car, was, which was a 1976 Capri 2 Canary yellow Veronica oh. like bright oh. banana canary yellow uh but um so I filed I filed papers that's all I did all summers I filed and filed and filed and so that was like my really first real big paycheck job other than that it was subway yeah gotcha <laughs> that's awesome and so if you had an opportunity to have brunch with any celebrity or famous person who would that be you know for whatever reason Bo Jackson well, of course, now I will tell you, I, I don't think I'd be like anyone. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock would be like my ultimate person to me. I think he's just genuine and authentic. But I don't know when you said celebrity athlete. I don't know. I, I saw a video of Bo Jackson playing golf the other day. And he and just, I don't know why Bo Jackson has just resonated, not just an athlete, but as a great person. And mm -hmm. so I don't know, Bo Jackson, that'd be somebody I'd love to meet besides Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He thinks, I think he's incredible. Yeah. He's my man crush. Yay. Love it. Love it. Okay. Last one, dogs or cats. You know, it's crazy. I am a 100% dog, but I did recently got I, I got introduced into a cat that was a feral cat that ended up being an inside cat. And so all of a sudden, I was never anti-cat. I just never had a cat experience, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I'm primarily a dog person by far. Gotcha. That's awesome. I'm a dog person too, so I get it. There you go. I got three miniature Australian shepherds, um, oh. all under 20 pounds, but great dogs, but very very curious and rambunctious and they need a lot of energy and they need things to do because if not they get destructive so they need like lots of chews and lots of things to think about they get bored very easily so mm -hmm. they put a lot of it that puts a lot on my plate but i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy dogs oh good 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 that's all cool. right all right yeah. so that was the gtky get to know you we did that really simple and very fast which is really what i want teachers and educators to get to know it doesn't have to be long it, it we we get the chance to know each other and whether we went to a childhood route or nostalgia or cars or jobs it's just simply getting to know you so that's our gtky for our listeners if you want to know more about gtkys or about our virtual conference july 13th or 14th head over to rclfirst.com and check out more of those so veronica let's give a, just a quick introduction to who you are and what your current position is. So that'll kind of help us as we kind of go into today's conversation. Yeah, happy to. So I'm currently the Chief Communications Officer for Fort Bend ISD, which is in the Houston, Texas area. 
And uh, we've got a little over 80 schools, so a fairly large district by comparison to some other folks. And um, as the chief communications officer, I'm responsible for all the internal external communications. I support all the other divisions. I'm a strategist and I have got a team of, of 14 that manage the communications, marketing, and all the community engagement functions. And I also support the board and am counselor to the superintendent. Wow, what a plate. And it sounds like to have that team to support you because there is no way, and specifically specifically in a district that size, that you can have just one person having all of those pieces, moving pieces, and to be able to communicate that. So kudos to you on one, just handling that. And then two, when you think of communications and you think, let me let me ask you a quick question. What is your thoughts on nonverbal communication? Just, oh, just as yeah. So let, can can I start yeah. there if you don't mind? Absolutely. I would say nonverbal communication is probably more powerful than verbal communication. And, you know, we talk about that. I know that teachers and educators talk about that in the classroom and the administrators, sometimes when we start getting into office roles or we head over to central office, which often happens, folks forget about how important those verb, you know, those nonverbal cues are, eye contact, um, engaging with folks, body language, being in a town hall forum. You know, if you're sitting there in a town hall forum, and all the administrators have their arms crossed and they're sitting back. Well, that's telling you know stakeholders and parents, that's giving a message that may not be the message you want to be able to convey. So I would say one of the things we forget when we get to central office is how important that the nonverbal uh, cues are. And, and, and they're really conveying a message whether you, you think it is or it isn't. So do you actually, and, and, and again, I'm just not asking very specific to general, but do you ever have to work with leaders on being aware of nonverbal? Or those oh, types of things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we bring in our administrators and our principals and we do training with them a couple of times a year. And not only do we focus on messaging or how to write the perfect newsletter or how to convey what's happening on the campus, but we also talk about how to conduct regular meetings and regular, you know, staff meetings. And we talk about their body language. And, you know, if you have an open door policy, but your door is closed all the time, what is that really saying to your staff? especially your younger teachers. And so we really work through all the aspects of communication. And also in our state in particular, we have a very active um, school PR group. And I'm actually president of the Texas Schools Public Relations Association. And we talk about how important it is to train our leaders on our campuses about the various aspects of communication, whether verbal or nonverbal. And, and so it, it actually is something we have to go back to. We have to go back to the basics. Are we inviting people in with our eyes? Are we inviting more conversation with our smile? Are we shutting down conversation by what our face is saying? We, we use a term called your face is leaking. Is your face leaking? And are you conveying a negative message? Because you need to check that and you need to make sure that you have people holding you accountable so that you can be the best leader you can be for your campus. Wow. Yeah, that face leaking, I could definitely, I've, I've, I've observed and witnessed some of that. You know, what's crazy is, as I think about my my career before I jumped into this, and even though I was like in Northeast Independent School District, pretty large school district in San Antonio, I don't remember a whole lot of training coming from the communications department on training me, you know, about verbal, nonverbal, how to how to interact with my, my community, school board members, or addition to even like, 
you know, they would always just say, you know, we've got somebody that will handle the news or we've got somebody that will put out a statement if there was an incident. And I was on, I was at Ed White Middle School where we piloted restorative practices. And, you know, unfortunately, being on a Title I campus where there's a lot of drama and things, there are a lot of things that have to come out. And so when you look at, we went from nonverbal, what about like the social media and now being a day, being such an important factor and role do you do you have to is there much guidance that you deal with with campus leaders and just educators in general how to deal with social media do you actually do proactively something or do you have oh. to do something reactive well a little bit of both to be okay. honest you know but um you the, the objective is to really focus on the proactive behaviors of not only your campus uh, leadership but also your teachers and so uh, depending on your school district some school districts allow individual uh, accounts for teachers and or clubs or um, a campus and some districts don't they centralize all of that but absolutely social media presence is a huge part I would say we train more on social media than we do on those nonverbal cues which because a big part of it is is your digital footprint it lasts forever whether it's been deleted or not someone can take a screenshot of it someone can share it and so you know as we're talking to our kids about digital responsibility we also have to talk to our staff about digital responsibility and what that means as, as a social media, someone who's engaging on social media, whether it's with parents or the community. Uh, you know, a great example might be an athletic team or an FFA team, and they're posting pictures of their successes and their wins, and they're talking, they're telling stories. And what we have to remind them of is that there's once you're out there telling your story, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are engaging folks in a positive way. And when you maybe share something that has questionable content on that account or that account likes something from, from somewhere else that may be political in nature, you're still conveying a message one way or another, whether it's a post or, or not. And so we try to get people to think about the holistic look of what a social media account is. And what we also have to remind them is your kids should not be posting on social media. If this is a district approved account or it is a campus approved account, whether it's the, you know, one act play group or whatever, it is still has to follow the code of conduct that we that we expect our kids and our staff to to um, adhere to. So it's definitely something that we're doing proactively. But unfortunately, we do have to come back and do a little reactive training, too, sometimes. Well, Unfortunately, Veronica, I, I think it's much like anything else. We teach kids, whether we teach kids or adults, somehow there are some things that slip through the cracks, even through, as much sure. as proactive as we can. And I know probably, and I'm just going to make an assumption here, but I'll probably connect this. You have had to have seen things that have happened outside Fort Bend ISD where you've seen a post or you've seen something hit the news or you've seen something hit social media and you have to ask yourself, OMG, like, how did that happen? Or, oh yeah. my God, what about a cleanup crew behind that or something like that? I mean, do you, does it, how does it make you feel when you, as a professional in this area, when you see that kind of breach of like, oh my God, this actually got out there to everybody? Do you ever get those <laughs> like, oh, pit in your stomach or just like cringe? And thank God yes. at moment that that is not in Fort Ben ISD. <laughs> Yes, yes, that has happened several times. And, and I think all school PR people have that. And the first thing we ask is, is there a communications person in that district? And oftentimes the answer is no. So you kind of give them a little bit of grace because sometimes, but 
when you find out that there is a communications person and maybe that person did it or maybe the superintendent did it without consulting their communications person, you like, oh no, goodness gracious, how can we help them? And that's really, I think one of the things that um, school PR people are good at is we go to help our neighbors and we'll we'll ping and text that person and say, hey, I just saw this on social. Do you need any support? Oh, how wow. Yeah. yeah, we we have a very strong network of, and I know that this happens in other uh, subgroups too in public ed in Texas, but certainly school PR community is very well connected. You will have everybody reach out to you and say, oh goodness, I saw what happened. How can we help you? Here's a letter. Here's a copy of something we did to, to address this issue. Feel free to use it, plagiarize it hundred percent. You've got, you, we've got your back. So the good news is that community is very well established. And the better news is when it happens to you, you've got someone who's got your back. So it is very common for school PR people to reach out and try to help when you see something like that, because it is gut-wrenching. And you just think, oh no, how can we help? Because that someone's gonna have to come and clean all that up. Wow, you know, that's really, really enlightening. You know, I, 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 I was the highest rank as far as rank. I got to be a principal of a campus in two different places, but you know, I never really understood what happens at that as, at those higher levels, particularly in you know central office, but in communications. Like I would know who our PR person was. You could always see the person on the news. You could see what their message was, but I never really considered it. It's really you've really opened my eyes to understand the word community, in that the support staff that you have in these roles for these districts that it, it is a, it's a community within itself, because. If it was dog eat dog, you guys would, it would be a frenzy where supporting each other really does rally behind like, okay, as much as we do something proactively, if this comes out, whether we, you know, intended for it or not, to have a support system that goes beyond just your district, that's really intriguing to me. Like the, the idea of a true community in that support area for school districts, I think that's fantastic. I was totally unaware that not that there was different departments departments in that in areas, but I didn't realize that there was really a support group that you guys rallied around each other. That that has got to feel somewhat supportive in times, particularly in today's cancel. You know what is it? The cancel society. You know where they just sure. cancel, cancel culture. Cancel yeah. culture. Thank you. Cancel culture. It just seems like today's relevancy of how social media can swing people so quickly. I think it's it's it's. And now that I look back and start to reflect in my own mind, the positions that you support, when you say a district doesn't have this support system, maybe because either they can't fund it or they're not big enough or they have to outsource it. But without this in today's cancer culture and with the way people interpret social media, I think it's almost like a necessity to have the people with your resources in our back pocket. Because if not, I think how much we could go way off track in a short amount of time and so quick without not knowing what we're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's more so today than ever. And that's just because, you know, if you think about it, think about, you know, 10, 15 years ago before kids really were carrying cell phones in, on campuses. I mean, I know we have them, but they weren't as prevalent, I think, um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. There would be an issue. The principal would contact central office, the communications team would get involved. We would prepare communication, send it out to parents, probably via email, or you know, we, we'd somehow get that out. Now, we don't have time to do that. Kids are posting it on Snapchat, they're tweeting it, they are putting it on Instagram. 
before central office gets called, kids are already sharing what's happening on a campus, whether it's a, a, you know, a fire or an evacuation or whatever that's happening. And so the speed at which the communication on campuses happen is much, much faster than it's ever been. And it's almost a, a, a bigger reach, a more global reach. So what used to be maybe local news, if you were a small community, is now getting broadcast on all other major media channels, depending on how fast the information gets out there. So that's even more challenging. And so I think districts are starting to see how important communication is to the success of the district. But more importantly, the expectation from parents has changed. They don't want to hear it from the news. They want to hear it directly from the district. They don't want to see the Snapchats and Instagram posts from their kids. They want the campus to reach out or the district to reach out and say, hey, there's, we're evacuating the campus. Here's what we know. This is what you can expect. And the younger our parents get, the faster the expectation is that, that information be available. And that wasn't true 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. No, I... I mean, technology and, and technology in our hand, as you pointed out, is so prevalent now that it is hard to compete with that, though. I don't know in your shoes a team that can compete with something that's instantly happening on a campus right now where somebody's recording it, up, you know, whether it be live or shortly after, and how you can truly even get in front of it or simultaneously kind of parallel it, you'll shortly be behind it. But I, but I did do I did re- do a, a recent episode where I talked about this, and I would be very interested in your thoughts because the fact of the lens that you see schools when I, I deal with a lot of educators who struggle with the, as you mentioned, the younger the parents, the faster things are going, technology. So what had happened, Veronica, is a lot of teachers are struggling. What I say, they have a 1999 playbook in 2021. They're still like teaching where like cell phones were just barely new. And so when it comes to that, they have a hard time with why students just simply don't comply and request with their requests, change seats, sit down, get started. And it seems that students seem to be like pushing back more than ever to a certain extent. And I'm generalizing. But one of the things that after I started talking to students, they had started sharing with me is the reason in their opinion, this is what they had shared with me, it's harder to comply with adults because it's harder to trust adults. And here's why is what they had shared with me. And I'd done a little quick solo episode on it, Veronica, was that, you know, 20, I'm 51. So, you know, when I was growing up, we were just told, listen to the adults, Veronica, and don't question them. And you're like, okay. And that's, we just did what we were supposed to do. But I think as, as, as technology and as fast as those things have happened, now these younger students are watching things sometimes simultaneously or just thereafter of adults jacking up life. You know what I mean? From politicians yeah. to doctors to superintendents to teachers to all, just people, a variety of people in life, whether they have a badge and a gun or whether they have a degree on the wall or a name tag, they're watching people just kind of jack up life. And I think there's a pause now that says, hey, my name is Veronica Sofer. You're supposed to listen to me. And they're like, but why? You know, like, right. I don't I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And I'm supposed to just listen to you where we were taught. You're supposed to listen to him. But we didn't know that there were crazy people doing crazy things because it just, unless it hit the major news. So that was my kind of hypothesis was the reason kids question us so much is because they need to know, can I trust you? And just because you say I can trust you, so did that person and so did that person and that person. And they see it in such a, uh, there's so much of it in volume of adults making mistakes of all colors and of all jobs and of all places 
Does that make sense to you when you, when knowing in your education that's that white kids sometimes may be having a difficult time trusting the adults today compared to 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I would definitely say that that's true. And when you think about it from a communications perspective, the thing that I have determined is that students now realize or believe that they are on a peer to peer level with whoever's communicating with them, that they're their life, their intuition, their perspective, their opinions are all equal to anyone else they're talking to, regardless of stature, age, to your point, you know, all those things that were different than how we were growing up. And so I think in and of itself, that lends the communication flow to then not be hierarchical and it's more peer-to-peer. So the communication should be, in their mind, questioned, analyzed, verified, all those kinds of things that are different than, than, you know, the way it used to be. My teen, one of my teenagers is notorious for saying, when I give her something like that, she'll say, well, cite your sources. Well, no, I'm not going to cite my sources. I'm your mother and this is what it is. But when you think about it, that's literally their ability to quickly question the source of the information and then go verify it themselves. They have access at their at their fingertips to go and cite that source and verify that that came from a, a you know, whatever, a, a medical study or whatever it is, you know, all those kinds of things. We have taught them to be wanderers, one, to question, two, and then to go and research on their own. So when they're out of compliance, is it really out of compliance or are they doing what we taught them to do, which is go question, verify, and then assess and come up with your own? Are they making connections on their own and then coming back and circling back and giving us their opinion? Oftentimes, right. do we like it because it fits in our day? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that that really just speaks to how communication is so important that it needs to be, at least from a school district's perspective, succinct, clear, and, and citable oftentimes, you know, if we're going to say, you know, take COVID, for example, if we're going to make some general statement from central office, we need to be able to clearly cite our sources and refer people back to our source documents. And that's a lot, it's very different than how we used to do things. So let's, let's, let's talk about this because I can only imagine everybody's role in trying to deal with the pandemic was definitely new, but from your perception and what you had to take in as information and then obviously relate to parents, what are some of the things that we as listeners, as educators, and as parents need to take into consideration when communicating with the school district and wanting to know more information, whether it's through a pandemic or just an incident? What are some of those things that you think that would you could give us as helpful clues and cues to start how we should communicate with the school district? Well, you know, sharing... Uh, feedback is really important. And I think if a school district has a feedback loop in place, take advantage of that feedback loop. Oftentimes people say, well, they don't really want my opinion and, and they don't really care what I think. But the reality is school districts do because they not only are charged oftentimes legally with getting engagement, but they feel like it's an important part of the community's ownership and buy-in of whatever's happening, whether it's boundaries or a bond election or the pandemic. So a tip I would say is definitely use the communication channels that are available to you. Oftentimes the school district will have like a button on their website that says, you know, connect with us here or email this way. And then the other thing I would say is listen from the lens that the district cares 
if we all start from the from the same point that the other party or the other entity cares, then there's some opportunity for movement and maybe even engagement in a way that wouldn't have existed. But if you're coming from a place as a parent or even as a taxpayer of the district is corrupt or the district is trying to hurt children, or if you're already coming from that place, it's going to be difficult to get to somewhere in the middle quickly. But if everyone starts from the other person cares, then we're going to get to the center more quickly and be able to find a solution, whether it's for an individual family or an individual student, or maybe even for a staff member or for a taxpayer who doesn't understand what's happening and just wants more information. So I think that would probably be my biggest tip. Wow, that's uh, well, I like you said, I think that just goes in life, whether you're dealing with a personal relationship, or you're dealing with PR. I think the lens of how you listen to somebody, you know, we, we it's very, if it's, it was very difficult for me when I first started this work to not judge and listen and, and have my own biases and beliefs about what I was hearing. It took many years of layering and breaking down my own way of understanding how I listened to information to go, I think I'm being, I'm being very judgy right now, or I'm not taking, like you said, did they, would they intend to do this? Was there grace given through this message? A lot of things like that. So I can tell you that has definitely helped me just as an individual person. Where did this message come from? The first thing I think is, is, okay, you know, how should I take this? And and where did they mean? What, What was the intent behind this? And to me, like you said, if we go without the intent to be harmful or derogatory or anything, because school districts do care, somewhere along the line, even a miss. I guess, a, misperce- a misconception or, or misperceive how they said it. In fact, one of, I think one of a message I got, a, a, cl- a clear message I got, sorry, I want to use my words clearly this morning, is whatever message you're sending, it has to be so clear that it can't be misunderstood. Right. That to right. me was probably the best advice, whether you're leading a company or a school or a campus, or you're sending a post out. If you're going to send a post out, and to think about it with the social injustice that was happening with Black Lives Matter, right? All of these things. If you didn't really think about your post or how you were going to communicate this, it could easily be misinterpreted and then just twisted into something it wasn't. So when you hear that about making your message so clear, it can't be misunderstood. How does that play into your role? Yeah, I would say undoubtedly, that's probably one of the um, most important things we do, whether it's on social media, whether it's parent communication, whether it's even communication to our principals, um, it has to be clear and concise. And so listening and understanding what information needs to be included in that communication so that you can go and craft a communication that dovetails into that solution is going to be really important. You don't need to add a lot of fluff. There doesn't need to be any, unless it's appropriate, there doesn't need to be any subjective thoughts around it or personalized opinions around it. It needs to be the facts, the who, what, when, where. You know, you have to remember too that generally school communication people are coming from the journalism world. Most of us went to journalism school. Public relations is traditionally in the journalism field at the university level. So most of us were initially trained as reporters. So it gets down to the basics. What's your lead? It's the who, what, when, where, why, how. And if, if you're designing your communication that way, then Yeah, sure, you can flower it up a little bit, especially if you're celebrating kids and celebrating successes of a campus, but you need to have the core at the core. And that's generally a good philosophy to follow. um, And it'll keep you out of trouble, whether on social media or any other way. No, that's probably very well put. And if we keep with that at the center of the message, 
then it keeps us from going down the little bunny trails and off rails. And before yeah. you know it, you're ad libbing and you're like, and then all of a sudden Veronica's like, that wasn't what the message was about. Remember, like yeah. stay, stay yeah. at the center, stay at the center of where we were at. And, and, and it, and I do believe that the craft that you put behind the work that you do and the message is very intent. There's a lot of intentionality in between the words, how you word this, the structure, the timing. I think some people forget, and I'm not in a journalism background. I just understand the timing and the tone and all the circumstances that you put into a communication. I think some people just glaze over it and think, oh, you know, that sounded well. There was, they have no idea how much intentionality was put into that one post or that one letter or that one release, a press release. I mean, I, I can only imagine how many conversations and pieces that you may get your team together to get different perspectives. And so even though we're talking about communication, there is a layer of relationships that are built in there. Would you agree? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, communications is relationships. That, that's what you do you're expressing the relationship through communication, whether verbally, non-verbally, at, at its core, it's I'm sharing a thought, a perspective, information, you are receiving it as the other person in the relationship. And then oftentimes you are circling that back to me. And so, you know, when we're talking about communicating with our, whether internal or external community, uh, communities, it's all about relationships. We're building trust, we're being transparent, we are addressing maybe errors. Uh, we are addressing hurt feelings. All of that is part of the relationship building and we don't take any of that lightly. So to your point, the strategy around how we communicate is in direct response to the relationship we want to have with our community. Yeah, you know, I, I always envision this and I always say this and I would just real quick, if I was gonna like reintroduce the school to the, to like my community, to my parents and I had that first, you know, meeting, new principal, welcome to my school. I'd love for them to almost, it, it, what, what, what is your thoughts? And I'm really gonna be funny about this, but what are your thoughts of being like, welcome to my school where students and adults will make mistakes. I mean, this is gonna be very transparent, be a little fiducious, but my point is yeah. where we all make mistakes, right? You're going to make a mistake. My, We're going to make a mistake. My staff members are going to make mistakes. Your kids are going to make mistakes. But I would love to build a relationship that we can talk through and communicate when we make mistakes. That instead of expecting this all to be perfect and for us to, for us all to never make a mistake, if you never make a mistake, I'm just, you see where I'm going with it? Like, we need, I wish we could build that community where it is just grace. Like, yeah. What, like I always say teachers are like, God, these kids. I'm like, you realize like you have an expectation that kids are supposed to be perfect. That parents come to schools and go, this teacher, I'm like, now most teachers don't intend to show up to make mistakes, right? Right. So what's right. happening is, is like, where did we get this ideology that schools are supposed to be perfect and companies are supposed to be perfect and kids, I'm just like, we're like, it, I always use this phrase, expectations lead to disappointment. That's why the parents are so disappointed because Veronica, you're in Fort Bend, IC, and you, I expected to hear from you before them. And you're like, lady, did you really expect me to beat that live video that right. that you're, that right. a kid just posted from right. my school 10 seconds ago? So when, I know I'm being a little facetious, but I mean, doesn't that, don't you wish we could just have some honest, open flows of communication and not have to craft a message sometimes behind the idea of like, okay, yes, one of our teachers made a mistake or somebody on the staff said something or did something and you know, it's just, ah, oh, I wish sometimes we could just like cut right to the core of the conversation. That's just, oh, me. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that's no, not reality. 
I'm with you 100 percent and I and I think that the closer we can get to that the better off we'll all be and our kids will be Absolutely. Well, to honor your time. So I just want to, this is my first conversation with anyone that's ever been in your role. But for my listeners, they're going to either be parents, teachers, administrators, somebody hopefully that, that's passionate about education. Any other any other idea, ideas or any other things that you would like to share with our audience that you want to make sure that from your position and from your lens, they get a chance to hear from you? Yeah, I would say from, from the parent perspective, it's important to understand that your opinions matter and that your school district and your campuses and your teachers, they want to hear from you, good or bad. You know, don't don't show up at, you know, knocking on the door, screaming and hollering for the first time and expect you to be welcomed with open arms. I mean, they might be a little weary of you if you're screaming and hollering. So my point is communicate the good things too. give feedback, be a part of the relationship with the school district or with your campus. It doesn't have to be the principal. It can be the teacher. It could even be the campus secretary, but be a part of the relationship by giving that communication back because as a school communications person, we want to hear from our parents. We want to hear from our taxpayers. We want to hear from all of our employees and, and ensure that the way we're crafting messages and providing it is useful and it's bringing value to the district. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're all committed to. So my tip and my ask is that everyone stay in communication. Oh, well said. Well, I've always said this, even when I was an administrator, I would rather have a, I call a mama bear, you know, that angry mama that shows up. Yeah. I would say, look, first of all, I don't mind angry mamas because first they're there. Sure. And they're angry, but they're usually passionate about something. And I think this is not a new strategy. Everybody has figured this out. If the mama bear was just feel listened to, if they yeah. will feel valued, they will feel seen and they will feel heard. It's amazing how that conversation can go from roar to just, yeah. oh, and then once you're able to acknowledge them and just let them feel heard, then that core message that you were referring to earlier, all of a sudden they may hear it from the lens that you had said earlier. You realize I didn't make any of these decisions on trying to harm your child or yeah. do, what, do what's not best for your child or for this campus, right? And so I've always said, I love passionate parents. I just think that what we need them to do is understand like fight, flight, and freeze. When you're in passionate mode, this may not be the best time to hear from you. But I do want to hear from you. So what are those routes and responsibilities that we can create and platforms so that I can hear from you? Um, I just always reminded my parents, if this is, this is, if I can only hear from passionate parent right now, as long as I'm available and as long as we've got that healthy platform, I'd be glad to listen. And typically, usually the air starts to come out of the balloon to a certain extent. Yeah. And sure. then once they feel heard, then I think we can have a reciprocal conversation. But it's usually yeah. until we get can't get past that that passionate part and really calm down a little bit. Is that your experience that when you yeah, typically do absolutely. those types of conversations? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why we encourage people to stay in communication because the more trust that's built between us, the faster we'll get there. So I agree 110%. Well, well, Brock, it was very interesting to understand the lens and the perspective from your point of view as you not only receive communications, you broadcast communications, but that you filter. I, I love the intentionality of what you do. I thank you and have much respect for not only you, but your entire staff and, and kudos for Fort Bend ISD 
making this investment and understanding the value of not just relationships, but communications. Thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a great one. Absolutely. For our listeners, we will connect with you next time.